Welcome to Stop Winging It, a podcast for and about small business owners and entrepreneurs. It's brought to you by Wingman Associates, a strategic business coaching firm dedicated to helping leaders rediscover their original passion. Our guest today covers the gamut when it comes to being a small business owner and entrepreneur. His name is Chris Schuler, and if you're a ski enthusiast, you may have heard of his latest venture called Ski Bike. He's originally from Hawaii, but he and his family are now firmly planted in the Pacific Northwest. They enjoy all kinds of winter sports, and Chris himself has run several companies. He is very relational, a lifetime self-proclaimed sales guy. He's very much a doer, and I know you're going to enjoy his journey and the wisdom that he brings. We're very, very excited to have you join us today, Chris, so thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. This is great stuff. Yeah, I I love the audience um, will appreciate. I think you're an outdoor enthusiast, yeah, uh, big time. And I think a little bit of the genesis of how did that happen? Because uh, I know you got a unique background, starting in Hawaii and then moving over here. And I think you know, if you wouldn't mind spending a couple of minutes helping us, just get a little bit of what uh, what triggered makes, all this stuff. I think a little yeah. bit that'd be good. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, obviously growing up in Hawaii, I mean, being outdoors is pretty much what you do, you know, from surfing, playing on the beach. Uh, I was really into Hobie cat sailing as yeah. a, probably from the age of about 13 until, you know, I moved away as, a, as an 18 year old, did a lot of time sailing and surfing and just being outdoors. And, uh, uh, you know, we had had an opportunity as a 12 year old, I think, to go visit my uncle in Lake Tahoe fell in love with skiing mm. and decided uh, at that point I wanted to be involved somehow in the ski industry. So yeah, I uh, moved to the state of Washington and started a career in the ski industry for a few years. And it's just kind of continued as a theme to life, you know, being outdoors and yeah, kind of for work, sure. work hard, play hard. Yeah. Is there a natural transition for a surfer to a, a skier? Is, or is it, are we uh, talking different you know, balance I mean, and muscle groups and whatever? I don't know. You know, I don't not being able to do either. Yeah, just yeah, so you know. Yeah. So, so <laughs> I don't consider myself really athletic, right? In terms of sports, I mean, I played soccer as a kid. I uh, was on the swim team, you know. Uh, but basketball, I've got the air ball layup perfected. Nice. So, you know, I cannot <laughs> play basketball. Um, you know, I was just marginal at sports, but it was interesting because skiing. Uh, I picked it up in literally no time. And yeah. by the end of our trip, I was skiing the entire mountain down in Lake Tahoe as a kid. And wow. snowboarding was the same thing. And then uh, obviously with the newest venture, ski bikes, uh, anything with snows computes in my brain. Wow. So uh, I was an average surfer. I wasn't a great surfer. Um, and, you know, some people will say that surfing does translate over to to snowboarding. And it does. But I would think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 But, but uh, you know, it was just, I don't know, uh, snow sports in general, they it, it works. Yeah. It works in my mind. So Fascinating uh, thing for me to ask somebody who's actually surfed. Have you been in one of those half tube. pipes? Were you, a tube? A Thank tube. you. Uh, you know, I... I can't say I have ever been in a tube other than to get it was right behind me. But to to yeah. that's always the goal, right? And right. To, to what you see on TV, you see those pictures. Yeah, yeah, deep inside that that right. I never got to experience. It, yeah, but. what a wild thing that is. Yeah, people yeah. who take it seriously. On a boogie board, yes. On a surfboard, body surfing, yes. But never on a surfboard. And that's, gotcha. That's kind of the pinnacle for a surfer. Right. So, right. Yeah. So you come over and you um, you hit. Snoqualmie first, right? Yep. 
And so take us from there. You just started you started snowboarding and skiing, and then you went into like, I can make them. Or what was that transition like so, there? So I, I, um, I started as a, as a loading lifts. Okay. Uh, met a guy there who was running the hill, and uh, he's like, what are you going to do this summer? And I, I plan to go back home to Hawaii. And he said, why don't you come, come with me? We're, we're, we're building chairlifts. So hmm. I would spend the summer building ski lifts around the country, which was just, you know, for a kid coming from Hawaii to get to see places in Colorado, yeah. upstate New York, everything was just fantastic. Um, something I didn't envision doing. Sure. Uh, and then I worked my way up into management and ultimately I came back from building a chairlift in upstate New York and uh, decided I didn't want to work directly for the ski area. I opened up a snowboarding shop. It was in 1987. Okay. Great okay. time to have a snowboarding rental shop. Right. A lot of skiers out there started seeing guys navigating the hill and gals doing quite well mm-hmm. and wanted to try it, but they weren't ready to make the investment. So the rental uh, the rental business just took off. Right. And Makes was, sense. Yeah, it was wildly successful. Um, ran that until... 92 when the ski area Hayek sold to the to the uh, Moffat family oh, and at okay. that point I was starting my career at KCBQ channel 13 gotcha out of college and so sold off the assets of the business to a guy who owned a played against sports oh did you really yeah so bought all the inventory and uh, so the company was called Aloha Snowboarding and and, you know, oh, I guess our, you. our claim to fame is uh, a lot of famous Northwest snowboarders, mm-hmm. um, some local to this area. Um, the, the, the Burton family, were they involved no, in that? I, no, uh, later? So, some of the local, like really well-known local riders. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, the Cummings family owned Northwest snowboards that used to be right over yes. here. Yes. Um, and and their kids came through as instructors. Uh, right. Quite a few famous famous snowboarders that are now you know, a lot older, right? Not competing anymore. Came <laughs> through the snowboard. Yeah. Game, so yeah. So yeah. yeah, already an entrepreneur. And at what age did you sell it? Uh, let's see. I was uh, that would have been ninety two. So I was twenty eight years old and yeah. uh, had decided to go to college. Uh, I met my wife at the ski area. Okay. She was going to school at Central. Okay, right. And uh, and we actually, I shouldn't say met. I met her earlier, but uh, we started dating. Uh, and uh, she graduated, and I decided I, you know, probably should go do this college thing and mm-hmm. get that certificate. And and uh, she wasn't really happy. Uh, it, she wasn't excited about me disappearing for six months every summer to build a chairlift. <laughs> so that's all right. So I went to college. Yeah. Uh, I basically got out in three years because I I powered through it. I was full load summer everything. did you really yeah. yeah i was i was there to get you know a degree in marketing yeah and a certificate and and then uh between my junior and senior year of college uh i did an internship sure kind of a fluke it was the only one listed at the college uh at the intern <laughs> office at seattle u and wow. it was for kcbq channel 13 right and so the day after my honeymoon i started as an intern in the research department and Ended up staying there till 2003. So, wow. Yeah. What triggered the marketing side of it? Was that just... Uh... Oh, I've always been involved in some form of sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, it's the gift of gab. I don't know. You know, I, So I my just, mom said I got it. I don't know yeah, what that means, but you know, I, I think I, I do. It, well, I attribute <laughs> a lot of that to like growing up in Hawaii, right? Because, you know, I grew up in a melting pot of... Mm. of 
different different cultures and uh, i mean everybody in the world lives in hawaii you you know you yeah, can find every race every religion everything and you know i had friends uh from from everywhere and 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 i think that that's something that 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 helped uh me because i really it's easy for me to get along with people mm. no matter who what where you yeah. know uh so I yeah i think growing up in hawaii that was one of the benefits so All right yeah so now you've sold a company and now you're working for uh, KCBQ, yeah, Channel 13. And, and you just keep moving up, sales, marketing, went until from, you're running Went from place. an intern to research analyst okay. to uh, sales down here when they had the uh, uh, the station was at Clover Park. Oh, okay. And uh, and then into a senior, senior account executive uh, and then uh, ultimately ended up my career in, in that business uh, right. uh, as the director of sales, local okay. sales. So okay. It was a fun job. Fantastic. One of my favorite jobs to date. Was it? Yeah, yeah. What? what uh, give me a couple of reasons why that would be so. Well, yeah. What stands out to you? Well, you know, as a sales manager, uh, I was kind of in middle, what they would say, middle management. You know, I, mm-hmm. uh, and and I enjoyed the game. The, the I you know, I... I always look at, at, at work, at any work that I've ever done, I've always kind of viewed it as, as a game, right? Mm. And because then you can find more fun in it. Sure. Um, and, you know, the game was, you know, you, you're running a, a team of salespeople, and their agenda is not necessarily the same as upper management or ownership. And the game is to make sure that everyone, you know, thinks that, perceives that you have their best interest while you're still meeting the needs of your sales team and you're still meeting yeah. the needs of, of upper management. And, and I really enjoyed that balancing act. Mm. Uh, you I, know, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. And, and then, you know, you, 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 I, I had the, the, the privilege of rebuilding a sales team and that was a, a, a real fun experience as yeah. well because I had some different – I came up in a system where, you know, you were a junior AE account executive. Right. And you then became a senior account executive, right? Well, the senior mm-hmm. account executives were driving the really nice cars, and they were making a ton of money. And yeah. the juniors, we were down there, you know, just trying to get anything. And you, you kind of hope somebody quits and right. move up. <laughs> right. and, and I always yeah. I always felt that that was a, a archaic system. Hmm. Um, and – and it also somewhat um, – the wrong incentives were in place. You know, the, the senior AEs were there. They just didn't want to lose their position because they were making great money. And the junior right. AEs were, were, you know, fighting amongst themselves. And, and when the goal is, is we just want the whole team to succeed yeah. because we have to do $40 million of billing there or whatever go. that number right. is. Right. And so I, got, I was able to restructure that. And, and what we did is – we broke up these. Uh, we broke up these senior lists, as they call, and we moved them into each person had, you know, two or three senior or major accounts. Accounts, sure. And then they had their mids, and then they had their next mm-hmm. ones. And so then we really spent time getting them to understand that okay, this is your twenty percent. This is the one that makes. This is what makes you your base. Yeah. Your goal is to take your mids and grow them into and servicing them and making recommendations and developing them so mm. that they become a major 
within your list and then go out and get your new business that you can develop and churn and and work with to get them to be successful and move them into uh, your like list. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so yeah. change the incentive structure. It wasn't like, oh, I got to become a senior E and now I can coast. Right. Everyone was always still working, but collectively we were almost working together, you know, because we all had, there was a balancing of the, there was no longer the sure. paycheck disparity. Well, you got to keep people involved, right? Yeah. Not to nerd out too much on this, but 25 of my nearly 40 years was a sales manager. And it was late in my career when I ran across a guy that ran the sales organization. And I was in healthcare, most of it. Um, who said the way we're going to beat that is we're going to structure the program around beat the nation. So you're going to get a quota, you're going to get a number, sure. and you're going to fight and you're going to shoot for it, and here's your territory. But at the end of the day, if the nation does 83%, 83 was 100. Now you're going to get over. Now if you do 85, you're 2% over the nation. Yep. And, and you'll be paid accordingly. Yep. And he kept everybody in the game yep. all the way. Yep. And I thought, I don't know if he thought it up or somebody else did, but yeah. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I don't. And, I, and most big companies were like, no, yeah. you've got a quarter. And if you don't hit your quarter, we, we shall not pay you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where yeah. I came from anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which was yeah. hard. Yeah. 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 Which and was hard. It, it made it just, everyone started working as a team. Mm. You know, because, exactly. Because you weren't, you weren't fighting for your, your little fiefdoms. Yeah. You know, everyone was, the pay levels were almost somewhat flat right yeah sure someone brought in new business they could increase their salary or their compensation always package. yeah right. you know but the basis it was always there and it was it was a it was a great place to work had mm. a great time and you know and i'm still friends with with uh, many of the people that that work there and what's really nice is a lot of them are now in management uh, yeah. in their own right at sure. different media outlets here around the the state so yeah fun to watch that We'd like to take a moment now to recognize our sponsor, 10 Capital Wealth Advisors. You know, these are strange times. And if you're like most folks, the recent headlines and the volatility are probably concerning at the least, possibly retirement changing at the worst. If you find yourself watching the market and your portfolio bouncing up and down a bit more than what you're comfortable with, and there's really no clear communication or defined path to success, maybe the timing's right to revisit that conversation about who's handling your money. Whether you have an advisor today or whether you're serving as your own, seeking a highly qualified second opinion is the essence of prudent planning. When it comes to achieving your financial goals, the style of the planning process matters as much as the outcome, as the plan or portfolio itself. It's the glue that holds everything together when life or markets get tough. You know, with nearly a billion dollars in assets under management, 10 Capital's growth is due to their unique process that really empowers you in the purpose, in the plan, and with your portfolio. They take everything into account, from your evolving goals to the constantly changing markets, to help empower the story you hope to write, while also giving you greater peace of mind. We've been using them for 8 to 10 years, myself and my wife. We highly recommend them. So to learn more, Check them out at 10capital.com. So you kind of had entrepreneurial tendencies through that. Yeah. All the way. And then somewhere along the lines, had you already started thinking about um, the beyond tradition? Yeah. You yeah. know, in the middle yeah. of that? Did that yeah. kind of come out of it? Yeah, I I made a move from KCBQ to KSTW um, okay. where we really had to 
rebuild an entire culture and and mm-hmm. uh, rebuild a sales team and retrain and and it's funny because uh, uh, hindsight's always twenty twenty and. I was there for about three months, and I remember coming home. My wife's like, "What's wrong?" And I said, "Oh, this this place is a it's just a mess. the 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 salespeople had were downtrodden, rightfully so. They'd been just beat up. Yeah, uh, you know. And there was some upper management that was interesting philosophy in managing people, um, and uh, systems not in place." negotiation, some of the basics, understanding where your numbers are derived. I mean, Mm -hmm. not to get too deep in the weeds, but you you basically, a show does a rating and there's a certain cost per point and that's what you charge for it, right? Got it. So you've got to negotiate that rating. The higher you can get that rating up within reason, the more you could charge for it, right? Yeah. And that's just an analysis process that didn't exist. And, and (laughs) And I was complaining about two or three nights and I think finally on the fourth night and, you know, Thank God I've got a fantastic wife. She says, why do you think they hired you? <laughs> if everything was going good, yeah. they wouldn't have hired you. And, and one of my good friends, Mike Seifert, was at KCBQ as well. And they, so they brought him over as a general sales manager, and I was director of sales. And and uh, and, and it, it changed. It clicked. It was like, mm-hmm. you're right. You know, and so let's get down to it. And, and, and I'm happy to say that, you know, we left it a better place. I left it a better place. And, right. And, uh, and so, you know, at the end of my two years, which is what I committed, I, I had, had been thinking, you know what, it's time. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I, I, I want to do my own thing. And so we started a company called Go Mobile Advertising, which was right. those glass trucks with scrolling billboards. And I remember them. Yeah. And we we uh, it was one of those <clears throat> it was one of those lucky moments because we bought a truck. Uh, an advertising vehicle and the goal we started getting success on it and then the manufacturers were like hey we've got people who want to talk to someone who's doing well and so I'm all of a sudden talking to people around the country and they're not asking me anything about the vehicle they're asking me everything about advertising and how to sell the advertising and I Uh realized that we need to be in the in not only in the advertising side, right. but we need to do the sales side. Right. And so we became the exclusive distributors of the vehicle. Sold ten million dollars worth of advertising vehicles in in about two and a half years. Mm. Um, we wow. Got, we and we also developed a national network uh, with the idea that we would sell national advertising onto right. a, this distribution of these vehicles, and and we we were doing that, um, and then. You know, 2006 and seven right. and eight. Things start to go a little. And we yeah. couldn't get financing. Uh, the financing pipeline shut right. down. And, the, you know, and then, you know, as we rolled into 2009, uh, advertising agencies were like, we don't even know if we're going to be here tomorrow. Right. You know, so, so what are you doing for your allocations, you know? And, and they, they just said, uh, yeah, we don't know. So we pivoted. Yeah. And we made it through. 
Um, we pivoted to into doing more of an experiential experiential marketing was the buzzword. Okay. You know, two thousand nines were ten, you know, everyone's yeah. doing these, you know. And so we did these activations where we became, you know, teams of brand ambassadors, sometimes utilizing our glass trucks became mm-hmm actually mobile showrooms at that point, no longer had scrolling billboards. Oh. We were doing 3D displays inside for Ikea and Jack in the Box and Motorola and yeah. It's a healthy list of who's who. Oh, it was, I saw, yeah, and it was a lot yeah. of fun. And we were doing we were doing national campaigns across the country and right. and uh, having a fantastic time and winning awards, you know, for, for creative thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had a really we had a great team, fantastic team and and then um, one of our largest clients, um, right 30 days before, uh, probably close to a million-dollar activation, mm-hmm. uh, hired a new president and pulled the plug on all experiential marketing. And and for a small company, that's a huge hit. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. So we had to do another pivot. And uh, we basically sold off our mobile advertising assets. Uh, at that point, we'd had a lot of our clients, um, since some of the clients we still have, had asked us, you know, you did really well with this. Do you guys know anything about traditional advertising? Hmm. And that was where I cut my teeth. My partner, Christian Gerling, uh, he, he had cut his teeth in, in doing yeah. more of a... Business to business? Agent, kind of just an advertising agency. Yeah. You know, place yeah. Ad, ads. Standard. Yeah. And D.R. Horton was one of those. And, yeah. And so it was the right time. We, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say that we, we uh, paid off all of our debt coming out of there. We gave all of our employees uh, uh, a month's salary or until they found a job. Uh, yeah. uh, glowing reviews. They all found a job making more money than, than, than what, what uh, we were paying them. And, and uh, we pivoted into more traditional advertising. And, and then D.R. Horton started giving us more markets. And so, right. so now we, so we downsized that. Right. And uh, it was just myself and my partner and things were a lot easy. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think the driving beyond the client pulling back, you know, at the last minute, which which was a, was a huge hit, was just, you know, despite my best efforts, it became a successful business that was taking a huge chunk of my time. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, we were in Maui on vacation, and my wife was like, four days, we haven't seen you. Mm. And it was, we were in the process of negotiating and trying to save this big, big, big activation, nationwide activation. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah. I kind of mm. left. I left KSTW to maybe simplify things and spend a little more time. My my oldest was twelve, going on thirteen. Right, missed a lot of stuff. Yeah, important time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and what I wanted was that I just wanted a little bit more of that work life balance. You know that I think is kind of the buzzword right now. It is. It is. <laughs> you know? For sure. So so yeah, we pivoted and and found that and. And you had become beyond traditional at that point. Yep. Kind of already switched over. Mm-hmm. Got yeah. it. Yeah, and so got we just it. ran with it. We, you know, we work with uh, Dr. Horton. We've got what I like to say is, you know, some people aspire to be an ad agency that has, you know, a hundred clients and they're three or four inches deep with all their clients. We like to we we want you know four or five clients that were you know got every deep. vertical they got. Yeah, yeah, you just yeah, and yeah. We're in meetings all the time, you know, and marketing you're part shows. of their planning planning process, aren't yeah, you? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Which is fun. 
which I would, is fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, because yeah. you you know you you mentioned mentioned earlier that, that you know that you see yourself as a coach, and you know I I get to work with you know a lot of young people, right? Uh, and one of my sayings in business is I I'd follow the you know the the the, the 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 village idiot up Mount Everest if they knew the path, <laughs> you know. So I'm not any smarter than anyone, yeah. But you know, I have experiences that are different than yours and a knowledge base. But that doesn't mean that you know a 20 year old kid out of college doesn't have completely different experiences mm-hmm. and a completely different knowledge base. That's that's completely valid. Yeah. You know, and it's fun to hear those perspectives. Yeah, it, totally. Nate, Nate was listening in when we interviewed uh, my nephew, my, my older brother's son, who's, we think he's printing money in his basement, but he's got a YouTube channel that, yeah. that, that went big. Yeah. And there so, you, you know, there he is at 35 years old, like, what do I do yeah. with all this, Dad? <laughs> yeah. And who knew, right? Yeah. Who knew? I mean, it's the whole different way, a creative way that they yep. can think and a million ways to make a buck, right? It is. It is. It's, uh, it's a fun thing to watch. It's a fantastic time, I think. You know, yeah. Uh, if you if you have um, a bit of drive mm-hmm. uh, and, and the willingness, the access to information to become educated in business and or marketing or whatever you want to be is right. so more prevalent than it's ever been. That's unreal. That you don't need to. You can. You can. You can learn, you know, yeah. you can become an expert just if you take the time to read through. You can become yeah. a stock trading expert. You can, you know, yeah. you're just buy Bitcoin when it was a hundred bucks. And, yeah, you have been fine. And you're called an expert, <laughs> right? You know, so. That's right. Get a bunch of buddies and bid up, uh, bid up a stock and then, you know, yeah. things work yeah, like that nowadays. They're GameStop. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, exactly. But it is, it is incredible. And, and yeah. that those people who want to further their education don't necessarily have to go through this you know this oh four years of, of schooling and then you mm. know obviously unless you're going to be specialized a doctor or something but you know and then master's degree i mean you can get a master's degree probably even more so and better educated just by going through and reading yeah you know i know a lot of success wildly successful people that haven't gone to college, but yeah. they've taken the time to educate themselves and, and continue their education right. through the data sets that's that you know the information that's out there. Hard to say what the uh, the future of education twenty years from now. My granddaughters, you know, are a little less than that. You know, is, is the traditional four years and fifty to one hundred thousand dollars a year going to be worth it? I, I'm not. I got a hard time thinking it is, but that's just one man's opinion. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, look yeah. at look at look at the airlines, right? Yeah. You know, all the airlines, you know, at least most of them are starting their own pilot schools because they realize they've got a challenge. Well, you know, yeah. you can, you know, you I've got a I've got a brother who's chief pilot for UPS, and you know, a UPS pilot, you know, after the first two or three years, that's you know, two three hundred thousand dollars a year salary. Yeah. You know, and and you don't have to, you know. Mm-hmm. I've got a buddy who's a roofer and he's got a much nicer car than I do. Yeah. So a yeah. lot yeah. of, a lot of openings in the trades all oh. over the place. Yeah. 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 Uh, for, for an enthusiastic young man who wants to go somewhere. Yeah. It's just true. I, t- I told my true. son, I said, look, if you don't want to go to college, I understand that, but you got to learn a trade. And he's like, like what? And I said, you know, I'm being an electrician. He's like, I don't want to be an electrician. I said, I don't want you to be an electrician either. I want you to own the electrical company. Yeah, that's right. because it's on the same page here yeah i i mean yeah. you, the, you know the the trades are are just absolutely hurting yeah you know and will be hurting especially as we have this 
you know, aging demographic. I mean, the opportunities yeah. are out there. Yeah. If you're willing to go get them. That's just true. Yeah. That's just true. Just like anything, right? So there you are continuing to do that. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, somewhere towards the end, not the end of it, because it's still a, a viable company, but yeah. you decide uh, you, you hook up with another friend and you go into the ski bike business. Ski bike business. So what's yeah. that transition look like? How? Well, you know, the good thing is, is a lot of what I do working with customers and things that translate, translate fantastically. Mm-hmm. I've always been somewhat enamored with the manufacturing process. Okay. You know, I've always wanted to experience what's, what that's like. And so, yeah. you know, uh, I, I picked up a ski bike about 11 years ago, um, as an extension, you know, I'd ride the ski bike and I'd go snowboarding and sometimes I'd go skiing. And yeah. as I got older, uh, you know, the, the, the aches and pains and the, the, I'm paying for the, some people say the sin of my youth. I call it the fun of my the youth. The fun, that's right. You know, I got, I got bad <laughs> knees, bad lower back. Um, you know, I found that I was riding the ski bike more and more, um, uh-huh. you know, and, and so eventually uh, the, the ski bikes that we had, the company's no longer making them. We were having problems keeping them running, so to speak. And mm-hmm. the current offerings in the in the sport was about a thirty five hundred to four thousand dollar ski bike. Whoa. Which is a fantastic bike. It's custom built, handmade by a gentleman out in Colorado and it's yeah. it's a great bike. Yeah. Um, but I felt that there was an opportunity to not necessarily build a better mousetrap because mm-hmm. You know, there's not many changes you can make. It's got a, a fork, it's got a frame, it's got a shock, and it's got a pair of skis. Right. You know, a handlebar. So there's not a lot of changes that could be made. I just thought that there was an opportunity to make a le- less expensive mm-hmm. mousetrap. Yeah. And so yeah. Um, hooked up with a guy who had a design, uh, had an original prototype, made a bunch of little changes to it. Um, and then, uh, you know, we... we Unfortunately, we attempted to, to, to manufacture here in the states, but it was just going to drive up to a you know two, three, four thousand dollar price tag again, and I felt that was a huge hurdle. Yeah. For the growth of the sport. Right. You and, need an entry level number that. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. you did the research, but yeah, it's, it's got to be a number that people will go. I can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was. Uh, the, I can't I mean, do three x oh, that. <laughs> and the research was just incredibly intense that we did for that price point. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, everyone who, when I had the prototype bikes, they said, "Oh, how much are they?" And I said, fifteen hundred. And they went, "Ah." Oh. And the next guy, I said, twelve hundred. And they went, "Ah." Oh. And the third person, I said, nine eighty nine. They said, "I'm in. Where do I get one?" There you go. That's how we started. <laughs> Market research. <laughs> Right at the source. <laughs> so, so yeah. we launched. Uh, we launched yeah. uh, with a with a, a, a hundred bikes. Mm. I figured at a hundred bikes, I could I could it was manageable. Uh, if I had a hundred bikes, then I had a hundred challenges and not a thousand challenges. Right. You know. So, and that was the idea. And plus, right. I didn't think the sport the sport. And it's still we're still growing. Four hundred eighty two ski areas or something in the United States. We're allowed at about one hundred eighty six. Um, so that's an issue. It is. They won't let you on. It's and you know it's that's the obvious assumption that it, they won't or, let us on. Yeah. It's kind of like snowboarding back in the eighties. So I started snowboarding in eighty five. It wasn't that they weren't allowing us; they just didn't know what we are. Yeah. Right. So we're in that point where, again, because of the price point, you know that they, they, the company would sell thirty or forty bikes a year. Gotcha. Well, that's, that's a. You know, that's not even a ripple. Right. We're not even in the pond. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, you know, we, you know, we're doing 250 bikes a year selling out. It makes us the number one. 
we're still not even really a ripple in the pond. If you look at, there's 10 million skiers, eight, 10 million skiers, and last statistic is something like 8 million snowboarders mm. in the United States alone. Right. You know, and I'm doing 250 units as a number one. Right. Right. So, so. A little bit of upside there. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like in, in business, I, 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 you know, I'm a visual learner, visual person. You know, I see business as, as a, a series of ladders, right? Okay. Whatever, whatever all the goals are that you have in, in the growth of your business. And in our case, you know, we, we need to build awareness of the sport in general. Right. right? We need more access to skiers. That's another yeah. ladder, right? We, yeah. We need more customers. That's another ladder. And we need, you know, more better marketing and whatever, right? But they all have to, you, you can't go like six rungs up while these other two. No. Right. Because so I could have built a thousand bikes. Yeah. But the market wasn't there. Yeah. You know, so we've had to build this market with slow growth and, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that we, we've got, we, we got good mojo right now. You yeah. Know, we, we, people are, um, we're seeing growth. Well, one of the areas that I'm really proud of that we're seeing growth is in the adaptive side. Okay. So we've got like wounded warriors right. with prosthetics that are riding ski bikes. Right. Um, got a local gentleman whose uh, son-in-law saw me on the hill and uh, was like, do you think uh, you think my father-in-law could ride this? I said, I don't think anybody could, you know, and he goes, well, he uh, had a back injury, nerve damage caused atrophy in his calves. Right. So his calf was about the size of my forearm. Right. His thighs were the same size as ours. Um, but he had, it was hard for him to walk. Well, he came up, tried a ski bike. Now he's out riding the hill with his wife again. Oh, wow. So we've got a lot of stories. That's guys a neat with thing. fused ankles that can't get them into ski boots. Yeah. Um, you know, and then we've got the, you know, and then we've got this growing group of, you know, my, my kids are riding. we got these guys out there, you know, hucking big airs, doing backflips. So. Oh, boy. You know, it's wow. like, again, right? You know, the whole ladder. On the way to becoming an Olympic sport. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. My hopes are someday I'll be on the couch with my grandkids and they'll go, hey, grandpa. Yeah, weren't you involved with that? Ski bike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, that, yeah. That, you know, we, we, we would like to be the Burton, uh, you know, so we've got an identifiable brand, very identifiable bike, right. you know, right. um, and, and uh, you know, we're, 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 we're doing everything we can to, to, to grow the sport. We're getting more rental operations. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to help. And then I work with the, I'm on the vice president of the American Ski Bike Association. Okay. Serve on the okay. board. And, and our goal is is to to increase awareness and uh, be there as a resource for ski areas. You know? Sure. So, so we, I think sure. we saw about 15 areas uh, open here in the state of Washington. Oh, really? We're, no, yeah. in, well, in the, 15 areas across the United States. Okay. East Coast is starting to grow. Here in the state of Washington, we're allowed at uh, uh, Snoqualmie Pass, obviously. Mm. Uh, Mission, Crystal, White, mm. um, Stevens. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not allowed at Baker, which Baker, if you're listening, that's really weird since you were one of the first adopters <laughs> of snowboards. But I, come along, Baker, I, let's go. I don't think anybody's yeah. knocked on the door, and that that yeah. that was my point is that you know a lot of times when we show up with a bike, the skier is like, oh, I've heard of these, and it's not necessarily mm. that they don't allow them. It's hmm, let's see how this will fit in and integrate yeah. with our what adjustments system. do we have to make to yeah. 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 Get yeah. up and down the lift or whatever. What do we got to do? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, Does that include then you'd have rentals of them at those locations? You know, we're or seeing. Not yet. We're seeing um, our original growth in rentals, <laughs> funny enough, was coming from 
customers who had bought a bike or two bikes and they were out riding and they got tired of so many people asking them where they got them. Mm. You know, like, did you rent them? No, I own them. Well, can you know where I can rent them? No. And, and so they'd relay that to me. And I'm like, well, why don't you rent them? And they're like, oh. So I've got a guy in Colorado who's a chiropractor and he rents yeah. them. Uh, yeah. You know, I got another guy who runs a, 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 a mountain biking operation in the summer. Right. And he's like, I, I kept getting guys asking me on my personal bike. Uh, I got a guy in Tahoe, same thing, uh, you know, so, but now we're starting to get mm. um, some ski areas. We just had a resort in Utah, pick up some bikes. Um, just took a call today, matter of fact, from another ski area in, in Philadelphia. That, uh, Scary Philadelphia. Okay. Philadelphia, yeah. All right. Yeah, they're known for their real steep high. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, I'm, I'm originally from Indiana. I'm thinking, yeah. is there even a mountain there? I, I think they're skiing on just man made landforms. Yeah. You know, you're right. you, you know what I mean? You're so right. so yeah. uh, it, it might it used to be, a, it might might have been, been the town dump. I don't know. That's so, right. Um, but, uh, you know, they're that's where I think the growth of the sport's really going to come from. So we, we have a, a great incentive package, kind of like mm. what we were doing, you know, looking to do this national network. So right. if, if someone opts for a rental package as a premium partner, which is, you know, 10 bikes, um, they're going to get a deep discount. Yeah. Um, not only that, we build a website for them. Oh, wow. Because um, a lot of these guys just don't have the bandwidth to do that. So yeah, that's, a, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. we've got it. We build a we build a, a website for them. We uh, we have uh, edited videos that will tag with their logos. We create a logo for them. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to get a little bit of a unified look out on our website with right. all the logos the same. So nice it's a perfect storm, yeah. right? Somebody rents a bike in Pennsylvania, mm. goes riding, has a great time, and they're taking a family trip to Colorado. Yeah. They go onto the website, see the same logo look different name oh that's cool yeah. now i can stay within you know keep them within the family and you know so now we're starting to do like you know uh, uh um zoom calls with all of our rental partners talking about best practices oh wow so i get to use a lot of my marketing so that's really cool exactly yeah you know and, and comes and full circle come full circle and have and having a lot of fun with it and is there a potential for a conversion kit to a mountain bike could you have one frame that does both or? yeah we do sell that um so our brand is the ski bike the byk brand but uh we also have a sister site which is ski bike the way it's spelled i bought the url a few years back ski bike smart yeah <laughs> exactly. and i was like mm, yeah why not own the name of the sport right so uh <laughs> it'd be like owning snowboard.com exactly or, yeah or downhill skis.com yeah. right Three so, Pete, you know, or something right. like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I bought the URL. Um, the goal with that is to be, be a, a place where, you know, eventually as more products, more things come to market, uh, we can just be that kind of clearinghouse, you know, mm. take a few points on all the deals. And so we actually distribute a, uh, another ski bike out of uh, Austria called the Sledgehammer Ski Bike. And it doesn't compete yeah. directly with our product, so it's right. a great fit. Right. Um, and it's a it's a transit what what, you, what we call a transitional bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we're yeah. So That's interesting. So, yeah. Well, so, why not? As long as we keep right. going downhill, we don't want to be going uphill. That's yeah, right. the business is growing, but it's right. You know, but uh, you know, our tagline is is enjoy the ride. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm I'm at the age now where where I you know the, one of the luxuries is I get to kind of pick and choose the things I want to do, yeah. you know. That's so, really cool. Yeah. So are you day-to-day operations with uh, Ski Bike as much now, or are you more overseeing sort of uh, I'm, large directional well, I'm changes? day-to-day or? just because I'm kind of wired that way. <laughs> uh, you know, you. And, and, and 
But what I enjoy the most about being in business is, mm-hmm. is really talking to customers. Yeah. I really enjoy that experience. And, yeah. and, and, you know, to get unsolicited texts with a photo of a, you know, someone, a, a guy, a gal on the hill going, thanks for building such a cool product. I am having so much fun. Yeah. I rode all day today. And the only thing that's sore on me is my cheeks from smiling, right. you know, <laughs> is, that's you know, a good day. Yeah, you don't, yeah. You, you don't get the out of boys and the out of girls every day, especially if you're if you're the owner of a company. They're right. they're very few and far between. Yeah, and so it meets it meets another need that I have, which is just hearing from people and and having that you know that dialogue, mm. constant dialogue, and and uh, yeah. So you That's know we're really going cool. into summer, right? You know, so um, <clears throat> we do have a distributor in New Zealand, uh, which now they're going Great into their move. winter. Yep. Yeah. So South America. Uh, yeah. That so that's a, that's in its development stages. Yeah, you know, sure. guys, kind of like me. He's got a whole nother business, but he was bought a ski bike and was like, "This is so much fun." So do you have, um, you know, when you think about where you are, um, and you go backwards, has there been an ongoing um, friendship group of guys in your life, yeah. or, or, or 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 ladies? Yeah. Um, probably including your wife, yeah. who have uh, been there for a sounding board, guidance, yeah. just uh, wh- yeah. where's that been? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I mean, I've been married for uh, 31 years now. Right. I think. Yeah, 1991, right? If Perfect. Doing some math, help me out here. There you go. Um, you know, I, my wife and I dated for four years prior to that. So, you know, we started dating December 22nd, 1987. There you go. Um, so, you know, uh, <clears throat> my, my wife has always kept me real. Mm. You know, sometimes when you get uh, uh, caught up in the, the minutia, uh, she's had the ability to pull me out of that. And, and, uh, and then she's always supported my kind of crazy ideas, yeah. you know, and, and ski biking can be one of those. And Hey, we're going to, I got this successful career and as a manager at a, you know, one of the, you know, top ranked TV stations in the market and, mm-hmm. and I'm going to leave and start this company, you know? Yeah. So, so that's been one, uh, you know, my father's a very successful businessman in his own right. And, uh, uh, he, he's, he's always been a great mentor. That's neat. Um, you know, uh, it's funny. Uh, I shared a story where I was trying to make a decision, which I thought was going to be a, a make or break decision in business. And, you know, he just kind of kept letting me rant about it for three days. And then I finally came up with a decision. He goes, he goes, yeah, that's what I would have done. And I said, well, why didn't you tell me that three <laughs> days ago? And he goes, well, now you'll realize instead of lamenting over it, maybe you should have just made the decision. And then adjusted as opposed to trying to make the absolute right decision because that doesn't really exist in business, mm. you know. And so we always think of this like ready, aim, fire. Yeah. And he's like, you need a ready, fire, aim. You know, the military says fire for effect. Lob one out there and yeah. adjust it, you know. And, and so that I try to mm-hmm. remind myself at business. And yeah. I think everyone at times we get too paralysis through analysis yeah right is another yeah, term for sure you know so for sure. and then i've had a great group of friends uh, i've got probably you know four or five very close friends we do a lot of things together we used to you know do a, an annual guy trip every year mm-hmm. to steamboat one of them's my partner in the ad agency christian and right and uh and you know friends keep you humble yeah. you know you need uh, some accountability in our lives don't we 
Just women, women are great at it. Guys, we, yeah. we, you know, we're a bunch of knuckle draggers. We got yeah. We, takes a little while, but just some people to call you out on it. Yeah, every once in a while, that's what we, that's what we need. You know, it's, uh, yeah. one of my the great advice my daddy always used to give me too is never read your own press clippings. Yeah, that's so true. You know? it though? And you start to get a little ego, and your your buddies are the ones to just shoot you right down and go, "Hey, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> I know the real you." Yeah. You know, you know. So yeah. you're not quite all that yet. Yeah, you know. So yeah. you know, I hope if I ever ever am that. Whatever that is, yeah. uh, uh, I'm I'm still just me, you know, a yeah. guy that you know wants to have good friends, great wife, great family, mm. and uh, and 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 have be excited to go to work. Yeah, you know, you know what I think is neat is in the middle of what is just a really an astounding career, entrepreneurially speaking, is you find time um, for a lot of philanthropic work. Talk a little bit about what you're doing there with the teachers fund and the yeah. endowment and stuff. I think that's just a really neat side. Yeah, people I, may not know about. Yeah, I you know I think that's that's something that everyone you know I don't want to you know I, I think everyone should should attempt to do. I've got a good friend of mine right now that uh, retired from uh, uh, Amazon, and he did quite well. And he's over in in Poland on the border in Ukraine. He didn't need to. He's he's putting he's working wow. all night. You know putting food together just to feed families, you know? And, uh, 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 hmm. uh I, I, I would have loved to have gone with him. Um, you know, so locally my kids all went to school, uh, life Christian graduate, mm-hmm. great school, fantastic school, uh, a wonderful environment for, for our family. And, and, uh, so in the interest of, of giving back, you know, my wife volunteers her time there, yeah. uh, a couple of days a week. Um, and then I serve on the board, for the uh, the endowment LCA endowment fund, and uh, you know part of that mission is to is to grow the endowment fund, and, right? And uh, you know schools endowment is 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 growing fantastic. I mean, they've awarded you know over a million dollars in 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 tuition assistance, which is huge. That's big. Um, Very big. Yeah. yeah, and you know I mean you know Tacoma has some incredibly wealthy people, but they, they there are a, a lot of people in in Tacoma that. Uh, you know, uh, our, our hopes at, at Life Christian is anybody who wants to go there, no matter what your financial situation, mm. should be able to go Just there. Just find a way. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, we, we started this teacher endowment fund, and, and uh, I started to look at it flip, flipping the, the dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, that we have this, you know, tuition assistance, and one of the, one of the, one of the driving factors, you know, um, uh, for People, you know, parents deciding to take their kids to school, in my opinion, is, is the quality of the education. And mm. so we started thinking that there might be a way to flip that narrative and focus on an endowment program that can subsidize the teacher's salary. Oh. Because a lot of the teachers at, at Life Christian, um, you know, their pay is about 20, sometimes yeah, 30 It's not public school. Yep. 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 And no union. Them, you know, and God bless yeah. them. I mean, they, you know, 99% of the people that are at Life Christian are there. It, they truly feel it's a calling. Right. You know, and that's why they're there. And then the pay is secondary to it. But, you know, it's that latter theory. Right. Mm-hmm. If I'm offering tuition assistance to grow the, the student body so that we have more revenue to do more things and offer more things and better teachers. Well, what if I jump leap start that, you know? And, yeah. and so my wife and I, um, started, uh, uh, kicked that off and we just had an auction with a matching fund. And, and in a very, very short period, we've, we've raised, um, over a quarter million dollars mm. 
And uh, I just spoke to uh, the gentleman Ross Ross uh, Gelseth, local local guy here, um, and he's in, he's in charge of the endowment program. And he's like, we're we're getting even more. So, you know, our hopes are that nice. <clears throat> within three to five years, um, that the majority of teacher salaries are subsidized, yeah. so that we don't have to, you know, move money to do this and the teachers we can get the best teachers in that school right so, right oh wow god willing we'll make thing. it right exactly you know, right so, yeah. yeah hearts in the right place and yeah you know yeah. And now it takes hands and feet yeah someone's yeah. got to go out there and actually do it yep, yep. good on you yeah good so, on you you know maybe changing gears just slightly here um as we as we start to wrap up i feel like is there like an overarching sort of mantra I feel like you're very driven, very much a life learner. Is there something, I don't know if you've got a personal, people call those personal mission statements, but, uh, but you know, if there was something that you kind of have just continued to live by or continue to pass along to your kids, is there oh, gosh. things that resonate there? You know, that's, that's boy, you asked me that 20 years ago, I would have given you one answer there. Ask me that 10, probably. Not answer. <laughs> uh, That's completely fair, too. Yeah. By the way. You know, I mean, I'm 59 yeah. years old. It's, uh, you right. know, maybe the mantra is just stay healthy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, just keep you upright. Know, I'm like team ibuprofen at times, you know, after a weekend of ski biking. So, oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm totally with you. Gosh, you know, I would say uh, just, just find passion and commitment you know mm-hmm. it's probably you know every you know everyone has their ebbs and flows right you know your your successes your challenges your you know you're really excited you're you know um i always just tried to be passionate mm-hmm. about what i was doing no, no matter what i mean i you know when i was loading chairlifts I was so excited about that, and, yeah. tr- and I wanted people to have such a good time. And it was pouring down rain, and I would be the guy saying, hey, I just saw a guy named Noah looking for some two-by-fours, you know, <laughs> right, in the middle of the rain. So, how, yeah. you know, so passion has probably been the thing that's driven me the most is just be excited, you know. Yeah. If, if you're going to be here, be all here. Yeah. You said to me something when we were talking on the phone the first time that you uh, – you like to continue to set high expectations that you're not a real big fan of complacency. I, oh. think, I think that's come through loud yeah. and clear today. Yeah. You know, that's also, that's, uh, that's an Achilles heel at times, you know, you set really high expectations and sometimes you set yourself up for, for failure. Sure. Because you're, you're constantly beating yourself up that I'm not achieving, not achieving. And, um, you know, I think that's something I probably hindsight being 2020 could have mm-hmm. done a little bit better in managing, mm. you know, in my personal life. But, um, yeah, complacency, you know, is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's still a frustration when I sit in a meeting and someone goes, well, we need to. And I'm like, ah, there's nobody named we here, Yeah, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, uh, that, that every business will, will, will deal with that to some, some degree, but sure. magic can happen when you get everyone moving in a similar direction. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I always find that when you achieve that perfect, not the perfect balance, but when you achieve a great balance in your within your team, the the high performers are still high performers, but the low performers, you don't have to coach them to be a high performer. Yeah. They just want to be because yeah. they want to be part of the team. 
and that complacency starts to go away. And complacency mm. in, a, in in the workplace is a cancer. Yeah, you got to figure out how to get it out of there, or it'll. Well, we see that in most of our customers. You know, they for whatever reason they've pushed away from the shore and they got a product or a service and um, something that they're offering up, and now they realize as a small business owner that uh, I got to yeah. wear fifteen hats today. Yeah. And I'm now I'm hiring somebody, and to that person, it's a job. Yeah. To me, it's a life. I can't afford you to be complacent. Now, how do I build that culture? How do I yeah. get people excited, all going in the same direction? And, yeah. you know, that's a lot of what you've been talking about today. And we see that a lot when people call yeah. us in that they're looking for. I'm, sometimes they're in that I don't know what I don't know. You know? Sure. I, I, I had a really good idea and a product, and that's what I was good at. Yep. Now, the HR and the yep. marketing and this and this and this, yep. I, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you find you good know, people. And you find good people, right? I mean, you figure out a way. Yeah. I think setting really clear expectations. I still sometimes see that in a lot of meetings mm. that I sit in that it's, it's the, the clear expectations, you know? Yeah. I, um, I always like to say, you know, writing down the expectations, it's far easier to manage to a document than to manage a person. Right. If you're telling yeah. someone they didn't get their job done, they get offended. If you show them, look, we talked about this yeah. and you agreed to it yeah. and they're looking at a document, a lot less mm. likely to get defensive. Oh, gosh, you're right. I, I, I didn't do mm. that. You know, we I, we are headed into a little period of complacency, I think, with with the shortage of supplies and everything that we've been dealing with. Right. I think businesses are getting a little bit of a of a of a, a go card to say, well, I'm sorry, but we don't it's beyond our control yeah. and I think we're going to get past that hopefully because it's, it is frustrating. It is you know, for sure. It yeah. is, you know, as yeah. a, as a consumer, right. You're like, well, I'm still delivering. How come my expectations? And that's probably a real hard thing for me to do. My wife always mm. says, we well, have such high expectations of the service you're, you're, you should be getting. I'm like, cause I deliver that. Yeah. At every day. So why should I lower yeah, my yeah. expectations to meet what they're delivering? Why can't they bring that up? So, mm-hmm. you know? But, yeah. you know, with that thought, I'll continue being frustrated at times <laughs> at the <laughs> local <right>. diner. Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, absolutely. It was a steak medium rare. Okay, uh, it's, uh, it, was, it was straightforward. <laughs> it's not, I'm not the first one to order it. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious that's Didn't hilarious want anything fancy just oh wanted my. that steak medium rare we're good oh my gosh yeah. this is such good stuff <laughs> such good stuff so let me shift slightly then here the um the answer here is probably going to be really obvious but if when you get time and you get away is it mountains or surf or do you guys do you guys enter into any other realm as a family or um the one thing I never learned is when recreating, one must recreate uh, because when I go on vacation, the way that I recharge is through activity. You do? Yeah. Wow. So I, it, I, You're not busy enough. You're going to oh go yeah. get busier. Friends who go on vacation are like, dude, I need a vacation from the vacation because we went, 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 you know? Yeah, and okay. Yeah. So, okay. you know, for me, recharging is doing. Yeah. You know, I cannot sit around, you know, soak up the sun for eight hours that it's not gonna work. No. Well, all right. I spend all day at the beach if I'm surfing or something. Yeah. You know. Right. But, but yeah, when we when we go on family trips, we we have an agenda. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're 
<laughs> my biggest fear is coming back from someplace and someone going, oh my gosh, you were? And oh, did you see? No, I didn't even know about it. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> you've got FOMO for your, from your own vacation. Exactly. Yeah. So, so my wife and I get ready to do an RV trip, which would be the first for us, like a 15, 16 day RV trip. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. We're going down to Zion and then over to Moab. Beautiful. And to, you know, yeah. uh, Yellowstone. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. The Craters of the Moon National Park. But, uh, you know, she's, I, I know she's just waiting for the, the, all right, let's sit down and map all this out. <laughs> there will be no downtime. Yeah, we're going to do, we're going to do, we're going to do. And, and uh, so, you know, fortunately yeah. she, she likes activity, uh, and I'm smart enough to know when she needs the downtime right. and then, you know, so I'll, I'll, I got to figure some, it out. I'll go do Take a hike somewhere. Yeah. Right. Go ride the mountain bike. Get know? on one of those Hummers in Moab where all of a sudden you're on the side of a rock going exactly. up a hill and all you can see is the air. Yes. You don't know what's happening next. That, yes. That'll get your heart going. That's, that's on the list. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's on the list. There so. you go. Yeah. All right, last question. Okay. Living or dead, who would be your Mount Rushmore of dinner guests? Who'd you like to spend wow. three or four hours with? Ah. Uh. Well, I'd, I'd like to sit down with Elon Musk. I'm fascinated with him. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, um, boy, that's a tough question. I've never even thought about that. Well, uh, lost my mother-in-law last year. That was a tough one. Hmm. I'd sure like to have her back at the table. That there you would, go. That would be a lot of fun. There you um, go. Oh, gosh. It's your dinner. Whatever, you're at, whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. You know, I, 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 uh, living, I, I, I'd love to have my dad there. You know, my dad's getting, getting old and, uh, uh, COVID was really tough on him. Mm, uh, so sure. anytime I can spend time with, with, with my father, uh, you know, uh, I, Absolutely. I, I still have my mom. So we, we get to spend time. God, the fourth one. Anybody. Uh, I don't care. Four or five, six. Two, yeah. Which? Well, you know, I like to have all my friends there. So. There you go. It's you a big know, table. Yeah, I've got a lot of friends. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and uh, uh, I I uh, I I value my friends very high because it's uh, uh, like I said, it's they they're, they're it's a recharging thing for me. Yes, know, to go and spend time with friends and and to 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 do things and experience things, and even if it's just sitting around and, and hanging around a barbecue, mm. uh, those are probably some of the most fun times, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's outstanding. Yeah. There you go. Let me know if Alon there you go. is listening and wants to have dinner. If Alon listens to this podcast, things are going I, well. I, I, well. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. We'll drop one over to him. Yeah, I think he's we'll, a fascinating he's a, guy. He's a, big, he's a big brain. He's a high-activity guy. He's high always activity. thinking. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You he's, know? He, he has one, one, one word, and that's go. So. Yeah, he doesn't mind poking the bear, which is kind of fun to watch yeah. when he does it. So, uh that, that'd be great. I mean, another guy is, uh, what's that guy's name uh, that uh, founded Uber? Uh, I do know who you're talking about. Now I can't think of it. Yeah. I'd like to ask him, what the hell were you thinking Yeah. when uh, you have a company as successful? Uh, uh, Trevor. Trevor Kaepernick or something. Yeah. Was, something. Yeah. Something, yeah. Uh, but there's a, a show out right now. It's a super pumped of the Uber story. And it's, mm. it's a great show. And it talks, it shows you how, you know, what it takes to generate revenue and with venture capitalists and things right. like that. And, right. Oh, I bet it is. I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. man. Yeah. They, he's uh, the, the, the embodiment of never read your own press clippings. Oh, really? Literally imploded. Yeah. yeah just absolutely imploded. And, 
Interesting. So he would be an interesting dynamic. Yeah. Well, the lawn would be like, yeah, yeah, what were you thinking? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, you had it all. Yeah, <laughs> right. he did. I and mean, you created yeah. something that didn't yeah. exist on the planet. Yeah. yeah. How got, smart was that? He got funded. Uh, yeah. He had the opportunity to buy out uh, Lyft yeah. and literally got in his own way. Yeah. You know, so anyways, yeah. Fascinating. That would be, that would, I, I'll have to give that one. It'd be, it'd be a good it, dinner conversation. I'll, I'll, I'll have a, I'll have a better a- answer if we do this again. We'll do it again sometime. You know, I look forward to it. You, you have to start another company, yeah. <laughs> which, which may, oh, given give, your track record, I'll it may you, happen. I'll give you number four. Carmen Spence. It's this guy I met in, in Napa who was the, uh, the legal counsel for the San Francisco 49ers. One of the most fascinating guys I've ever met. Wow. Yeah. And it, 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 he should be at everybody's dinner party. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Just met, like, uh, that's out of thin air there. I would never. Did, yeah. yeah. And, and I met this guy and we were, we were lucky to have lunch at his place with his wife. Yeah. And I watched this guy and I, I asked his wife, I said, you know, I, after the third time we went to, to his house, uh, we go down for this music festival in Napa. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we go is have lunch at this guy's house. And I said, it's amazing to me because everybody is, is conversing. She goes, oh, this is not random. He literally researches all the people at his lunch parties, dinner parties, and places you at tables where you will have a connection with no someone. No way. And, and is like known for this. And I've watched it and and I keyed into it because I'm watching this dialogue just erupt. Right. People having these common links when they have literally, on looking at them, there'd be you, nothing you, you in would, common. Yeah. And he literally finds these little pearls and... And, uh, and they uh, connect it, 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 on a level I didn't know was going to happen. Yeah. Incredible. Wow. Incredible. So he would be a guy to have. There you every, go. It's every, a guy you do want to have. He's always going to get the same answer. For, That's he'll right. always be number four. There you go. And I'll let him research the other three for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making this decision yes. again. This we, is too hard. We know what That's right. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. What a fun time. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's I, been I, a joy. I've, I've enjoyed it as well. It's, yeah. It's fun it's, to go back through the uh, the memory list. And yeah. You asked some fantastic questions. Well, I like digging in. I like hearing yeah. more about it. And, uh, and the beauty of this is there are people who are going to listen, who are small business owners, who are entrepreneurs, who are going to go, I've been there. Yeah. I, I feel that. I hear that. Yeah. And uh, that's all we want. We want to tell a great story here. Perfect. So, uh, so thanks for allowing us to. Thank you. What a great time we had with Chris today. And if you're like me, there's an awful lot of key points waffling around inside your brain. Let me see if I can take just a second and summarize a few of them for us. The first thing that kind of came out, these are different Schulerisms, as I've been told now, are setting clear expectations, managing to a document, Those two kind of go hand in hand from a leadership and management perspective. Both are really, really important when running a small business. Giving back was a big thing for him, what he's doing for the teachers, um, what he's done throughout his life and foundation work and giving back. Taking ownership, and he's a big one on being accountable, making sure that if you own it, that you go out and you finish it up. And finally, he talked about just valuing his friends the coaching and mentoring that's in his life, not just his family and his wife, but those key people that came alongside him to help him transition and make great decisions. And we certainly appreciate that and try to do the same thing here at Wingman Associates. I hope you enjoyed this conversation today. 
and we look forward to having you join us on another episode of Stop Winging It.